All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Indiana Pacers final score, 134-111. This was a really, really encouraging game, I would say, about the Nuggets, as you don't have Nikola Jokic, no problem, doesn't matter. Jokic, obviously... Two-time MVP, extremely important for what the Nuggets have done. But I do think that these last two games without him have taught us a little bit about this team's self-belief in themselves, even when Joker isn't available. It's a little bit different when you change up the rotation when he's out within a game. But when he's out of the game completely uh, and, and just sitting out like he did tonight, it is interesting to see Denver's mentality change a little bit where they just know... They've got to rise to the occasion. They have an opportunity to prove themselves. And I think unlike last year, this team has the talent to do it a little bit more consistently. And I think a little bit earlier in the season when Joker was out initially uh, with the COVID absence, they hadn't really found themselves quite yet. Now it clearly looks like they have. And it clearly looks like this team, they're just on a roll. It's hard to stop them. They won their 16th game in a row, I'm pretty sure, at home. That's absurd. That is just a crazy number and a crazy fact that, look, this team just looks unbeatable right now in their home arena. And to get it kicked off, I think it's very important to talk about the man of the hour, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray gets his first career triple-double with the Nuggets, and hopefully it's not his last. Hopefully he can replicate something like this, even when Nikola Jokic comes back. Because in my opinion, it puts less pressure on Nikola when Jamal is taking on more responsibility, when he's more aggressive and holding on to the ball and, and making things happen for this Nuggets team. Obviously, a little bit different circumstances tonight without Joker, but it made Jamal the focus. He was the guy that Denver was going to run their offense through. They started Zeke Naji in the place of Joker. So you have Jamal. KCP, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, and Zeke Naji. And so it changed how Denver kind of runs their offense. Zeke is not somebody that you're going to play through at all. Not even really going to do a whole bunch of DHO stuff. It's more just going to be high pick and roll and some isolation, some post-ups here or there, some actions that they try to run off ball. But for the most part, when Denver was kind of in their natural stuff, it was high pick and roll. And Jamal handled it like a champ. Absolutely effective on pretty much every single possession, had 17 points on four of eight from the field, two of two from three, seven of seven from the line, really efficient night for Jamal. And the efficiency didn't stop there because he had 14, count them, 14 assists compared to three turnovers. Usually in that situation, when you have a guy who is handling the ball, maybe not used to handling the ball as much and being the lead decision maker as Jamal might be when obviously dishing it off the Joker, playing through him, playing two-man game, things like that. A little bit different than being the focal point and having to create just about everything. And Jamal handled that extremely well and was efficient doing it, was effective doing it, did not panic in any circumstance at all. His ability to really drive offense tonight and put Denver in positions where they could consistently succeed was great. 
he did a great job of spreading the love out to just about everybody, counting on Aaron Gordon to kind of be that lead scorer at times, swinging the ball over to Michael Porter when it found him. Uh, He took his own shots and found ways to be impactful too, but there was just a lot of sharing of the ball tonight because it wasn't just Jamal holding it. Honestly, Denver scored 38 assists as a team. It's their season high for the year, and you do that without Nikola Jokic. Obviously, that shows, I think, a a general ethos of this team and how they want to play, know how they have to play in general, even when Jokic isn't there. But they were able to really get to it tonight. Perhaps it was because Indiana is not that great of a team, especially without Tyrese Halliburton. But in general, I thought that Jamal was aggressive, efficient, and absolutely kind of kind of predatory when it came to picking apart the Indiana defense, running on misses, finding opportunities, whether it was in transition or the half court, to really impact the game. And Jamal's going to be one of those guys where his numbers, I've kind of thought this for a while, when he plays with Jokic, there's a specific way that you want to play. You want to give Jokic most of the playmaking responsibility and most of the decision-making responsibility. Sometimes Jamal will dribble, and sometimes he'll dribble to kind of shoot, and he'll not necessarily looking to set up people as often as maybe he is when he's out there without Joker. But tonight, he really had to be the setup man, because I thought Indiana, they doubled him. They hedged. They tried to blitz him a little bit, make sure that the ball was out of his hands. And Jamal just kept finding guys, whether it was in transition whether it was in the half court. It was just one of those really, really impressive performances uh, that's going to stick out with me for a while. So credit to Jamal for doing that. I thought that the rebounds were pretty funny. He had so many of them just kind of bounce his way, especially in the second half when you started to get the sense that he could go for something like this. I think he had 10, 7, and 6 at the half. And then he finishes with 10 rebounds. But so many of those rebounds came to him just directly to him right in that third quarter. And Glad that he got it in the third because he didn't go back in during the fourth. Denver was up by too much. It's a great place to be. Aaron Gordon deserves a ton of credit too. Just a metric ton of credit for how he approached this game. He was aggressive, downhill, and did not settle. There were a couple of three-point possessions that he had where he missed one in transition, but he made another in transition. He's been taking that pull-up three with relative confidence over the course of these past few games. And it's become a part of what he does when there's just a possession that maybe you take a possession off. Hopefully you get a pull up three because they're going to leave him open on those possessions. They're not thinking that he's going to pull up. So that was impressive. But in general, 11 of 13 and he went 10 of 13 from two. Stayed efficient, stayed effective, stayed within himself and didn't push the envelope in terms of the types of shots that he was going to take. He had like one mid-range two, maybe two. Actually, let's look at the let's look at the shot chart right now just to make sure that I'm not crazy here. He had one shot at the free throw line, two shots at the edge of the dotted circle, and then almost every other shot was a paint shot or two three-pointers. It was incredible. That's exactly what you want from Aaron Gordon. He was so effective and did everything that the Nuggets wanted him to do that he would have also done with Joker, but he just did it in a little bit of a different way, where a lot of these were more self-created. A lot of these were opportunities where he leveraged his body going towards the rim rather than fading away. 
And I think he said something about that, about his post-ups, that that was something that he learned from Joker, that the fadeaway was kind of the last option within that. He was always trying to get under the basket, Joker was. And so for Aaron to really turn that into something that he can use and to be just as effective, especially against those mismatches, that is a really, really big deal. I think David Adelman credited him credited him tonight postgame when I asked him, uh, just that Aaron's a really tough guy to guard. He is a tough, tough player to figure out. And because so many teams, when they have, when you're going with Jamal Murray, KCP, Michael Porter in the one, two, and three spots, they're guarding those guys with guards and wings. The power forward is the interesting one because sometimes other teams go big, in which case Denver has a, a speed advantage. Sometimes they go small and they play a guy like Aaron Neesmith, who they who uh, Indiana played tonight. Actually, they played O'Shea Brissett initially. And those guys, they just did not have a prayer to stop Aaron Gordon from getting to the rim. And Aaron Gordon did not let them off the hook. He made it hard for them. And I think David Adelman said it best. It's hard to guard Aaron Gordon right now. He has been fantastic and has made himself into that level of player. I just realized that I didn't change the ticker that entire time. So Aaron Gordon, 30 minutes, 11, that's supposed to say 11 of 15. Ignore the fact that it says 11 of 25 on the YouTube broadcast. My apologies. One of two from three, 28 points, five rebounds, six assists. Was a plus 26 tonight in a game where Denver won by uh, less than 26. So... They won by 24. So Aaron Gordon was one of the major difference makers tonight and deserves a lot of credit for that. Also deserving a lot of credit, Michael Porter Jr., 31 points, kind of not necessarily the most, uh, like like you'll see the crooked numbers that Jamal put up and, and that Aaron Gordon put up. This wasn't a crooked number for Michael Porter, but I thought that he played pretty well on both sides of the floor and just did a great job of finding his spots within the flow and taking advantage of the attention that Jamal Murray drew and, and Aaron Gordon drew on the inside and uh, finding opportunities Michael Porter did to really make an impact. And he missed a few threes tonight, but he was so efficient on twos, five of six from two. He had even one possession, very reminiscent of the Clippers game, where he sets a slip screen for Jamal Murray and he slips Jamal kind of hits him in the pocket, or it wasn't really a pocket pass. I think he lopped it over the top. And then Porter read the defense, saw that nobody was near him, and then took the pull-up too. And that's cash for a guy like Michael Porter. He has to make it a situation where it is always cash for him because he's so talented and so effective. And if he's a 6'10", 6'11", jump shooter, there's nobody that's going to block his shot or affect him in any way there. So it's a nice weapon, a nice little wrinkle that Denver found. Maybe there's something that they can continue to do when Joker even comes back and when they're staggering Jamal and MPJ together at various points. That's an action that they can go to, have some success with, try to create an opportunity for Michael Porter to hit the soft spot of the defense. So lots to like about what Michael Porter did tonight. He had two dunks, including one over Miles Turner. That was very, very impressive and very reminiscent of, hey, that athletic dude that jumps really high and dunks pretty hard, he's looking like he's getting a little closer, getting a little, little more athletic, a little bit more spring in those steps. So he's moving better, playing better, finding his rhythm. It's been really exciting to see 
had an off game last game, is what it is. Tonight, he bounced back. That's what you want to see. Zeke Nashi got the start tonight in place of Nikola Jokic. Tough shoes to fill, pretty big shoes to fill, obviously. Uh, David Adelman said that post game as well. But he said that Zeke handled it pretty well. And I I don't know if I fully agree. I think there are things that Zeke probably could have done better. I thought that he went out of his way and fouled a little bit too much. Had five fouls tonight in 26 minutes. Was uh, Had three in 10 minutes. Did a better job towards the end of the game of not fouling. So give him credit for sure. But there are times where he's trying to affect the shot a little bit too much and just overextends a little bit. That is a... That's a youthful kind of thing for sure. He'll grow out of that a bit, but it's hard to argue with the numbers, right? 26 points, three rebounds, one assist. The one assist was to Michael Porter for three, kind of a broken play, not necessarily one where he really created something for Mike, but just sort of took advantage of the situation. Still good. One assist, three steals, one block. The three steals, obviously that's important because Denver did a lot of switching when Zeke was out there. He was guarding one-on-one. He was forcing other guys to really have to do stuff. And I think that that was one of the reasons why the Indiana Pacers shot the way that they did. Denver's defense got better as the game went along. I thought that Indiana, despite the fact that they had 111 points, I don't think that they scored really easily after the first quarter. Uh, Sometimes it got into a little bit of a track meet and that can happen. And Honestly, when you attempt 37 free throws, it's going to be hard to uh, figure that out. And they had a size advantage, so that was always going to be a thing too. But in general, Miles Turner is going to be a tough guy to guard, and he did have four offensive rebounds. Something Sometimes it was to do with the switching, not necessarily on Zeke Naji, but just the way that they played it. You knew that Miles Turner was going to get some points, but Zeke Naji, I thought, performed pretty well. When you talk about switching him out onto guys like an Andrew Nemhard or a Buddy Heald or uh, even like a TJ McConnell or Chris Duarte, I thought he did reasonably well. And that's what you want to see from him within this scope. I'm not sure what it's going to look like going forward and whether that's something that Denver will consistently get to. But it is pretty clear that when you have this lineup out there with Murray, KCP, Porter, Gordon, Jokic, or not Jokic, uh, Porter, Gordon, Najee, It's one of the most switchable lineups that Denver's ever had. I mentioned that in the Clippers game, and it really does stand out now. And they switched. They did a lot. They played some zone. I thought all of those worked out pretty well. And Denver should be happy with how they performed. And then KCP. Oh, by the way, Zeke Naji got the DPOG. Uh, Got that chain. Definitely important for him to be credited when he's in this situation. Miles Turner had had his own opportunities and successes, but I thought that Zeke did pretty well. KCP, solid as always. Three steals is cool is what I wrote down there. He's a player that you never have to worry about in these situations. Found his way to impact the game overall on the night. He had just nine points, but nothing like he he was very helpful within the flow of what Denver was doing. Staggered with the second unit initially, and I'm glad that they only played him 26 minutes. I think they would have probably brought him back, but they didn't really need to. Uh, Christian Brown got involved in the second half, and that was a good thing because you knew that Denver could win this game and they didn't have to play KCP 35 minutes in order to do it. You just give him 26 minutes. It was pretty solid during that time, plus 20 in those minutes, and 
hit the shots that he needed to hit, got a couple steals. He had a pickoff, basically, when Miles Turner tried to dribble around him. That did not go well. KCP just does a great job of getting involved in that way. Uh, very, very helpful player. And Denver is obviously very happy that he's here. Gosh, I mean, where would they be without KCP? Just, they'd be good. I don't think they would be great. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over the bench lineup and everything that went into that particular group. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Superbook, they've done a great job of putting you in position during this new year with three decades of sports wagering experience. You know that you're getting the best from Superbook. They're going to give you plenty of opportunities and the best odds anywhere as we head into these football playoffs. Uh, keep going on and on. Divisional round coming up there here real soon. Uh, plus, you can check out their special odds boost at Superbook.com. Make 2023 the year where you bet in or where you get your money from Vegas. Sorry. Download the Superbook Sports app now and place your bets. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back. and roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's now discuss the bench lineup that Denver threw out there. It was initially going to be as follows. Bones Highland, Bruce Brown, KCP, Jeff Green, and DeAndre Jordan. A little bit different than I think what many have, expe- have expected. Denver's in, they've been consistently going to Bones, Jamal, Bruce Brown, Vlako Chanchar, Zeke Naji. Vlaco went out today with sickness. He was sick. They sent him home. Non-COVID illness, but that's like he just wasn't feeling good. So they sent him home. They kept him away from the rest of the team. That's a good idea. Uh, hopefully, it's not the prerequisite to COVID. That would be bad. Uh, but in general, Bones, KCP, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan. And I thought that this lineup, it wasn't bad. There's there's no doubt about it. Like There could have been better moments and I think that some of the, the flashbulb moments stick out in my mind. Uh, DeAndre Jordan made some mistakes here and there. Bones Highland, a couple odd shots here and there, probably didn't necessarily need to take various ones. But it, it, that's going to happen within the flow of a game. And it's hard to be too nitpicky when Denver's in a really advantageous situation with that group. And then you look at it and ultimately Bones Highland did jam his finger I think it, like, I think they called him a left left finger sprain, if I'm not mistaken. KCP was firing a ball up to him in transition. Bones was right at the rim or getting very close to it. KCP throws an absolute laser dart very, very hard, trying to get the ball to Bones Highland in time in order to get a basket. Unfortunately, it went through Bones' hands. Part of the reason for it has probably jammed his finger. I'm not sure whether that's the play that it actually happened on, but he went back to the locker room. Denver replaced him with Christian Brown in the second half. 
understandable. You don't like you don't want to chance anything like that. And Denver had various things that they're dealing with kind of throughout. So a little bit of a different rotation, a little bit of a more wild rotation than we've seen usually here, especially without Nicola. That obviously changes things. But I thought that Bones was fine in those minutes. I thought that DeAndre was fine in those minutes. But the real guy to laud here is Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown on offense. I still think his defense leaves something to be desired at various points. But I mean, two steals and a block tonight. In the second half, he was way, way better than he was in the first half. So give some give some credit for that for sure. But in general, the offense with him, this is two games in a row now where he's just put up nearly identical stat lines, where he goes for 17, 17 points in his 27 minutes, plus 16 tonight, has five assists, four rebounds, shot seven of 11 from the field and two of four from three. That's extremely efficient. That is effective. That's what the Nuggets want. Made his only free throw attempt tonight. That's good. And he's in that zone right now where when you leave him open from three, he's going to take it. And as long as he's in rhythm, you feel very good about that. That's probably a 50% shot for him when he's in rhythm. When he's not in rhythm or he's rushed just a little bit, it's probably a 25 to 30% shot. But that's a fair compensation. That's sort of what it, it's usually like with a lot of guys. He just takes a little bit more time in general when he's shooting. I thought that Bruce Brown, what he did really well tonight was slash. He did a great job of getting to the rim. Even in the half court, sometimes there were options where he was catching the ball, the guy was closing out, and he would brush right by them, getting to the rim. He had a floater off the glass at one point that was really pretty. He also had one possession where Indiana was playing zone, and he knifed into the middle of the lane, and DeAndre Jordan rotated behind the play and caught a lob from Bruce Brown, who saw that play emerging pretty quickly. Bruce Brown's vision, I think, is pretty underrated in general. He's averaging 3.7 assists per game on the season, which is more than Bones. It's it's surprisingly more. Uh, Bruce has had a lot of these possessions where he just sees the play ahead of, of what it's actually going to end up being. And he makes good reads. He makes good plays. Doesn't turn it over too much. I, th- I think he had some turnover issues earlier in the season, but five assists to two, two turnovers tonight, that's a fine ratio. I'm not worried about that. But then he had the dunk of the night, I think, where he catches the ball from Bones on the fast break and just absolutely cocks it back and yams, where he reached that ball all the way back and just yammed it. Got very, very high. Got the approval of the Nuggets bench. They were all like, that was crazy. That was the best dunk of the night for sure. Uh, clearly a very nice dunk. And just just got he's got such explosiveness that you kind of forget about sometimes when he's doing floaters, when he's just kind of staying below the rim a little bit. He can get up and he will remind you and he will remind you that you can shoot that he can shoot threes. He'll remind you that he can handle the ball and pass. He's just one of those guys that carries that chip on his shoulder and really, really wears it well because he will show up when the Nuggets need him to. I feel very confident about that, that he's going to have that attitude and bring that level of confidence with him. So hopefully that maintains, hopefully he keeps it because he has been Denver's sixth man this year. I know that Bones is really leading the group in general as a as a primary creator, 
But Bruce Brown has been their best bench player, and it's not even close, really. He's just been very, very good, very, very useful, and fits with everything that the Nuggets have been about. So credit to him for sure. Um, What is next? Jeff Green. We got to talk about Jeff Green, right? He played great. And actually, you know, I'm going to go back to before, – before we go to Jeff Green, I'm going to go back to Christian Brown. I forgot to mention that Christian Brown played awesome when he was called upon. Bones jams his finger in the second quarter. Christian Brown doesn't have to come in then. He does come in in the second half. Uh, later third quarter, kind of last three minutes of the third. And then Denver goes on their run. It was a pretty close game at one point, And the game was going down to 10. And then Christian Brown enters the game and really gives them, helps give them a, a big boost where the game was 86 to 76 at one point. And then Jamal Murray catches the ball off of an offensive rebound. I don't know if it was his rebound or Christian Brown's rebound or somebody grabbed an offensive rebound and reset the play. Jamal drives, breaks down the defense a little bit, but Christian Brown cuts baseline and Jamal throws a lob to him that's just beautiful. And Christian Brown just shows that athleticism off in, in ways that I think we're now starting to really see. He's finding that activity a little bit, had a nice back cut dunk. I don't remember if it was against Minnesota or Portland, but I think it was against Portland actually, and just found a way, or no, it was against Minnesota. He finds ways now to use his athleticism in a really healthy way, in a really highlight-laden way, uh, whether it's blocks, whether it's dunks, just just you want to see him get above the rim and use that 40-inch vert. Uh, he has been fantastic in that role, came in today, had that play. Then in the next play, Denver got a steal and a dunk. I think it was KCP catching a lot from Jamal. And then the very next play, Bruce Brown picks off a pass and gets a dunk. And that all started with Casey, with uh, Christian Brown's lob. And there were a lot of plays like that where he makes a, a nice back cut and gets under the rim for two points. Aaron Gordon dishes it off to him and gets an easy two. Christian Brown hit his only three tonight. He had a couple of other plays where you just it stands out really well that he's helpful immediately when he comes into the game and didn't force anything, didn't do anything crazy. But 15 minutes was plus 11. 10 points on four of five, one of one from three, missed a free throw. We'll, we'll give him a pass there, although his free throw percentage isn't good enough right now. Uh, two assists, two rebounds, one block. Very helpful. Just a very, very helpful game. Shows that he is overqualified, I think, to play the role that he's playing now. For most other teams, he would be in the rotation, and that's fine. It's understandable. He does have some weaknesses that he has to figure out, but because Denver's so talented, he's not currently playing. To me, that's okay. I'm not worried about it personally. I think that he will continue to be good uh, when Denver calls upon him. And if Denver does sustain an injury to, let's say KCP sustains an injury, Bruce Brown probably starts and Christian Brown comes off the bench in his place. That's how that would work. And Denver would be really good still. Maybe not as good, but they'd still be really good because of Christian Brown, because he fills that role reasonably well. Um, we're going to see what that ultimately looks like going forward, but hopefully don't have to worry about that. Hopefully he's just continuing to play spot minutes when he needs to and continuing to prep for what I think is going to be a long career with the Nuggets playing a very similar role. Whether it's as a starter down the line or not, I don't know, 
but I still feel very confident that he's going to be one of those guys that Denver commits to for a long time. Now back to Jeff Green. Jeff Green gets back into the lineup. I mentioned Vlaco went home early. Uh, Jeff Green came back, and it was good timing because I thought he looked really good. I thought that, honestly, just a really encouraging performance from Jeff Green. Six points and five fouls, not necessarily what you want to see. But I thought the way that Denver played with him was encouraging. I know the plus minus doesn't really reflect it. And maybe there's something to like, hey, maybe it's more anecdotal for me. But I did like the way that they played switching basketball on the defensive end. And it looked very professional, looked very good when you have a lineup that features like Jamal, KCP, Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, and Jeff Green. That's a really professional lineup where you have guys that know what they're doing, that can execute the scheme. And it gives me some confidence that Denver can go to something like that in a situation where maybe they don't trust Vlaco, maybe they don't trust Zeke. You can go to a switching lineup with a guy that you feel a, a lot of confidence in. And there's something to it. There's definitely something to it. I thought that Jeff got, he got hit with a pretty ticky-tack foul in this game too. But some really nice cuts, some really nice, he had a couple rebounds, had three assists, two steals, just helpful in general. I thought that everybody was pretty helpful tonight and he was a part of it. He was a good part of it. I'm not sure I want him to take Flacco's minutes, but I understand if Denver kind of goes back to Jeff now, seeing what they have with him now that he's back and maybe changing things up just ever so now, uh, I'm very curious to see how Michael Malone is going to handle this when everybody gets healthy, if that's even a thing. Um, But we're going to see. It's good to have Jeff Green back. He made some really athletic and fun plays and is a part of what this team is. So give him credit. Um, And then, uh, yeah, I, I still have the rotation as a question mark. DeAndre, when... Obviously, Nicole is going to come back, and I think Zeke is going to go back to his bench spot. So you're going to play Zeke at center, Jeff at power forward in a lot of these configurations, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Denver's got to find ways to get others involved. They've got to find ways to get Vlaco involved. DeAndre will play on some nights, but mostly not, and we're going to see where that goes. I'm, I'm very curious. I don't think that it's anything crazy to think that, okay, DeAndre – Probably going to get mostly cut out of the rotation now that Jeff comes back. Vlaco, we're going to see. I think that Zeke is in. I think that he's going to be a guy at the backup center spot that you go with consistently. Now, could you play Vlaco and Jeff together? Probably. It will be small. It will have to be switchy. And those guys will have to be a little bit more high energy than they usually are. But Vlaco, we've already seen the ability that he has to help out that unit. So... Maybe this is something that isn't even a real issue. Maybe this is something that everybody kind of changes their minds about going forward. But I am curious to see what Michael Malone does because he could go any number of directions. And I think he'd be justified in trying things, making sure that he sees all of the combinations. But with the trade deadline looming, we're about, I don't know, three weeks away, two week, two and a half weeks away. I'm very curious to see what it looks like. All right, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to discuss how Denver can continue this win streak 
and how the Western Conference is kind of a mess. We'll be right back. segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much everybody for tuning in let's wrap things up by talking about where denver stands where the rest of the west stands in general uh obviously denver first in the western conference standings 33 and 13 record nine wins in a row it's the most in the nikola Jokic, michael malone era for this team which is really encouraging really exciting that they finally cracked that and it's also pretty funny that neither Nicola nor Michael Malone were in the building for this one. That's just uh, one of those fun, unique wrinkles that I'm sure will not be hold over their heads. Uh, definitely, definitely not. Uh, but in general, Denver's got a 22 and three home record. They have won 16 in a row at home. They have the best home record in the NBA now because of what they've done. And honestly, I'm not really surprised. You knew that they wanted to lock in a little bit at home, make sure that they're in a situation where they defend home court. It's not going to be an issue, always going to be something that they control. And it's great. It's great that they're in this position. I do think that like, they're not going to be undefeated in the playoffs at home. I doubt. Like, Maybe they will be. Maybe that's what will end up happening. But it's not to the degree that I don't think any team could come in here and, and and win. I think that that's a possibility. It's a definite possibility for this Nuggets team. But as long as Denver has that, that at least a minor advantage heading into most of these games, they should benefit from it going forward. I think this team, they just play really well at home in general. Uh, I'm going to look up this number live right now, which is always really great for podcast content. I want to show what their record is or what their uh, ratings are when they're at home. Offensive rating, the Nuggets rank second in offensive rating. They have a 120.9 offensive rating at home. Defensive rating, they have a 109.6 defensive rating. That 120.9 offensive rating ranks second. The 109.6 defensive rating ranks sixth. They're a top 10 team pretty comfortably when they're at home, and their net rating is number one. They've now overtaken Memphis in that category based off of how well they have played. Now, the road is obviously going to be a little bit more of an issue, but if Denver is the one seed, if they end up being the one, they're always going to have more home games than they will road games. So they're always going to be at that at least a minor advantage in general heading into the playoffs where... If you get to start every series at home, get to start, like, let's say you go 2-0 in each of those playoff series, it gives you such a mental cushion in those situations where, oh man, if you had lost one of those games and you're going 1-1 and it's game three going back to the other guys, that's a tough environment to go to. If you start every series 2-0, that's such a big, major advantage. So hopefully they can do that. We're getting too far ahead of ourselves, though. 22-3 22-3 and three is a crazy record. The real question, I think, is how long can this streak continue? How long can Denver go right now? 
I think that there is a possibility that this goes longer than people think. I think there's a possibility that it ends on Sunday. Like there's definitely ways to say, okay, if Denver were to lose and they were to kind of get that out of the way, it's not a big deal. Like you could you could definitely understand losing to the OKC Thunder given how well Denver's played. Like they have earned a mulligan in that case is really what I'm trying to say. But if they don't lose to OKC and they push the streak to 10, then you go on the road and you play the New Orleans Pelicans, the Milwaukee Bucks on a second out of a back-to-back, and at Philly. All of those games are interesting for different ways. In the last two weeks, uh, let's just check our good friends cleaning the glass here. The New Orleans Pelicans have a net rating of minus seven. They are ranked 24th. They are 24th in offense, 20th in defense, have not been very good in these last two weeks. And I don't know if they're playing that great in general uh, without Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. Like you just have a major disadvantage there. And Denver, I think, is a major advantage going with Nikola Jokic against Jonas Valanciunas, as long as he's healthy and available for that game. So if Denver can take advantage of that, if they're in a situation where they can go in there, get a win, it might be tough. You travel to Milwaukee on the second night of a back-to-back, Denver has an advantage in second night of back-to-backs in Milwaukee. For whatever reason, they've just been very good there. And if they were to win that, that's a 12-game win streak. Then you're going into Philly, and you're going in there on several days rest. It's going to be a pretty good opportunity for them because they'll have a Wednesday game. Then they will probably travel to Philly on Thursday. They will have a practice on Friday, and they'll have a game on Saturday afternoon. They will have plenty of time in that rivalry week. By the way, welcome to rivalry week in the NBA. Going to have a great opportunity to play Joel Embiid and the Sixers. Denver's going to be up for that game. There's no doubt about it. Philly will be up for that game too. I just don't know how Philly stops Denver. Like, what are they going to do? They'll put DeAnthony Melton on Jamal Murray and they'll have Joel Embiid on Nikola Jokic. I don't know if that's going to make a big difference. I honestly think that Denver's going to be able to score and they're going to be able to space. There's nobody for P.J. Tucker. to Actually, P.J. Tucker will be on Aaron Gordon, which means that Tobias Harris will be on Michael Porter. And honestly, I kind of like Denver's matchups in that game. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Denver to continue to push the envelope in that one. So if you win that game, you push it to 13, you go back and play the Pelicans at home, you play the Warriors, and then you play the Hawks. So like fine teams, but the Pelicans aren't that same quality of team. Maybe they have Brandon Ingram back by then, and, and that could change things for sure. But these are all games where, yes, they are competitive. Yes, they are against teams that are good. But I don't think that they're unwinnable with the way that Denver's playing right now. So if this win streak extends to 13, 14, 15 games, I'm not going to be surprised because Denver, I think, has earned that credit. Now, if they approach every game, if they take that, if they take that momentum on the road that they've built on at home, they are going to continue to win. But the first road game after a long homestand is often a toughie. So if Denver does lose in that case, 
Nobody needs to really panic. They've earned so much credit that they get the benefit of the doubt. They're on pace for like 58 wins, 59 wins. So if they lose one, it's going to be fine. I think that Denver has more than earned a lot of credit, especially in the Midwest, where I know it's the Western Conference, but this is the Midwest. This is uh, not necessarily the Western Conference of old, where every team is good, every team is legit, you're always competing all the time, and it's really, really tough. In my mind, Denver has really separated themselves, and finally, finally, Memphis lost tonight. Memphis lost to the LA Lakers on the road, kind of fluky situation where they made some mistakes down the stretch and kept the LA Lakers in, and LA took advantage of it. They deserve credit for that, for sure. But Memphis, they lose finally. They break their win streak, which was at 11. Now they are 31-14 and and one and a half games behind Denver. That's crazy. Already, like, you develop some separation that way. But Sacramento is six games back of Denver at 26 and 18. New Orleans is at 26 and 20. Dallas is at 25 and 22. But the real party begins, and Dallas is a eight and a half back of Denver. I think we can now start drawing lines where Denver's probably going to be a top four seed pretty guaranteed. They might just be a guaranteed top two seed, which is super cool. But the rest of the West is where things get really confusing. 6 through 13 is separated by records of 24 and 24 to 21 and 25, which is one loss. Everybody from 6 to 13 has 24, 23, 25, 24, 24, 24, 24, and 25 losses. Everybody's within two losses of each other. Some of those teams have better like win-loss percentages than others, but the losses are what matter, where you can make up wins. You cannot make up losses. That's the most important thing to think about as you try to figure out what the heck the schedule is going to look like, what the heck the standings and the playoff picture is going to look like as we get closer to the playoffs. Golden State is not that far away. They are 23-23, and 23, even though they have a really tough record. Uh, a, t- a tough uh, strength of schedule remaining. They still beat the Cleveland Cavaliers just now without any of their stars, any of their main starters. They sat all of those guys, except for Jordan Poole, basically, and they won. So credit to them where credit is due. They are still very talented and very capable of rising up the standings and overlapping against over the uh, Clippers, the Mavs, the Pelicans, the Kings. They could get up as high as three. If Denver stays at one and Golden State's at three, great for them. Don't really care. Denver avoids them and it's not really anything that even means anything to them. But if Golden State's at seven or eight at the end of the season and Denver then has to face them in the first round of the playoffs, that could get a little bit dicey despite the fact that they'd be a seven or an eight seed. I don't think that Golden State is done rising. I think that they're still one of those teams that is going to continue to push, but how hard they have to push matters because they're going to get tired towards the end of the season, given that there are a bunch of veterans on that team. They didn't start this season well. They're going to have to play against tough teams, and they're going to have to win at a rate that is really, really 
counterintuitive when it comes to getting yourself mentally prepared and physically prepared for the playoffs. So that's something to keep in mind. I don't think the Warriors are a serious title contender this year. I don't. I think that it's Denver and it's Memphis. I think that one of those two teams is going to make the NBA Finals. Golden State's probably third on that list. Maybe Dallas. Maybe the Clippers. But in my mind, I think it's just Denver and Memphis. I think that's fair at this stage. But hell, maybe things change. Maybe uh, different teams step up during these next 30-some-odd games, and you get a little bit of a different picture when it comes to other teams rising up. Like I could see the Clippers getting healthier and getting better, playing with more consistency in general. Over their last 10 games, they are 3-7. and seven. So it's not like they're doing great. They have a negative point differential, as does Golden State. Utah just lost their 5-5 five and five in their last uh, last 10 games. Minnesota, surprisingly, 7-3 and three in their last 10. They've figured some things out. And Carl Anthony Towns will come back soon. And Rudy Gobert will come back soon. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully for them, they figure some things out. And they're actually a team that if Denver faced them in the first round, that's a tough matchup in my mind. So that's one that I'm paying attention to. Phoenix, Cam Johnson came back, looked pretty good. I think that when Devin Booker comes back, that team will look a little bit differently. Maybe they trade Chris Paul. We don't know. But would not surprise me if they vault up the standings as well. I think that the the, mess is, the West is really mid right now, but I think there are a lot of teams that are going to kick it into overdrive, like even Portland. Portland is not playing good basketball right now, but they are going to be at home for a lot of time here. They have, they've played 25 games on the road, 20 at home. They'll be more focused at the on their home games going forward, and they'll have an easier strength of schedule too. So Portland, if they make a move, could absolutely vault up the standings themselves. So I don't know what it's going to look like. I have no idea what the West is going to shape up into, but I do think that the top two teams are likely solidified. Denver and Memphis. Those two teams are going to keep winning in the regular season. There's no reason why they wouldn't. And it just seems to me like they're in a great position. The Pelicans, they're going to have to fight. The Mavericks, they're going to have to fight. The Clippers. They're going to have to fight. The Warriors are going to have to fight. All of these teams are going to have to scratch and claw to avoid the play-in. The overall quality of the conference is going to rise in the second half of the year. I feel pretty confident about that. But until that happens, the West is still kind of mid, and Denver owns it. They are 24-9 and against the Western Conference. No other team in the West has won at 18 games. Every, every team has won 18 and no more. The Nuggets have won 24 games against the conference, which just goes to show that the Nuggets have taken care of business. Other teams, they're still trying to figure it out. So we will see. We will see if that's something that Denver can continue to improve upon or if another team ch- tries to really challenge them. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, make sure to give this episode a like on YouTube. Give, drop me a comment. Say what you like. Uh, say what you want to change. And if there's anything that I can do to help make this show better, 
I'm always listening, always reading, but will do my best to implement those changes if I deem them worthy. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. As always, we'll talk to you guys next week.